Welcome to my podcast. My name is Dr. Brendan McCarthy. I am the Chief Medical Officer of Protea Medical Center in Chandler, Arizona. Thank you so much for tuning in to my podcast. Today, I wanted to talk about chronic fatigue syndrome. <laughs> I want to first start by saying this. There is no way that one episode of this podcast can cover all of chronic fatigue syndrome. Some of you out there, those of you who do have chronic fatigue syndrome, it's one of those conditions where you need to educate yourself because you're the only one. So I know that. And I know when I get people in my office with chronic fatigue syndrome, a lot of them are really educated on the subject and they're brilliant and they show me things. I want you to know that. I want you to be aware of that. I know this, okay? I'm not trying to be exhaustive. I'm also not trying to um, miss something. I just want to give a brief overview of how it should be treated in my opinion. So by no means is this exhaustive or is it um, meant to be 100% of everything. It's just more how you work your way through the treatment of this because I think this is important. How did this creep into my brain? I don't know. I, I don't know how I came to wanting to do chronic fatigue syndrome today. I think there a memory came to me a while back. When I was young, I remember I worked, when I was young and free, not like now, with very little responsibility. I used to work on a Zodiac uh, up and down the North Shore of Kauai, uh, the Nepali coast. And um, it was a great job. And I remember there was a woman and her husband and they were going into Kalalau Valley, which is, you can only get there by hiking in. And it's a hard, hard hike, brutal hike, beautiful hike, brutal hike. And I remember they were going to get in there through the Zodiac. This is a long time ago. I'm sure the rules about this have changed. Don't do this if you don't have a permit, though. Anyway, getting into Kalalau Valley on a Zodiac is tricky. And the thing about this was is that she couldn't hike in. And I remember her talking about it. And this is the first time, and, I, and I'm in early 20s here. And I remember her talking about how she had chronic fatigue syndrome. And I didn't understand it at all. I couldn't, it didn't make sense to me. She was tired. So because of that, she couldn't hike. But I looked at her and she looked fine. What do you mean you're too tired? You look fine. I didn't understand. In hindsight, looking back, I realized how special that was for her to do that. Her husband, um, she was a school teacher. I remember this. And I mean, this is 30 years ago. Okay, guys, for, for me to remember this, I remember her on the Zodiac with me 30 years ago, means this is how much it sat in my head for this long. I mean, I have a good memory, but this is intense. So her husband, they saved, saved so much for her to be able to do something like this because she couldn't do things like that in her normal life. Her life had become so limited and she had nowhere to go. People who have chronic fatigue syndrome, you know, are really poorly treated. And because it's misunderstood. And I've seen things from doctors blaming the patient. That happens a lot, a lot. And you know that. Those of you with chronic fatigue syndrome, you know, you know that. To the point where sometimes you start blaming yourselves too. I, um, I know that... You know, a lot of times you're not treated well clinically. You're not really given really well overviews. And like, how do they figure you out what's going on with you? 
They don't do any of those things. So that's what today I wanted to do. And I thought about her and I thought this would be a nice thing to do because that was, she was on my mind. So how do you approach chronic fatigue syndrome in clinic? How do you do it well? What's a good job? Let's start saying like, what is chronic fatigue syndrome? What is the etiology of it? What's, where does it come from? How does it start? Um, in medicine, we don't really know. You know, they, they just we don't know what chronic fatigue syndrome is the cause of it. We just know it's a series of symptoms put together. There's some thought that it has some something to do with the hypothalamus, thalamus, and and the uh, uh, amygdala. Uh, there's some thought that there's an infectious component of it because a lot of times people have had uh, reported infectious uh, experience, like they had you know swollen glands or they've felt sick, and then symptoms started right after that. That's another one. And then there's always going to be um, those who who point out this. There's a lot of mental emotional that go along with it. So they believe that there's a, this is a, a um, psychological condition that's occurring with these patients. And, um, and they're all basically guessing. I want you to know that. There's a lot of guesswork with that. What are the symptoms that we look for? And it doesn't have to have all these symptoms, but it has about three or four of them, I think is the, the, the running uh, number that you need to have to diagnose chronic fatigue syndrome. And that's going to be impaired memory or concentration. You're going to have sore throat, uh, tender cervical or, or axillary lymph nodes. Lymph nodes will be swollen. Uh, you have muscle pain. You're going to have uh, a joint pain. Uh, you'll have headaches, uh, sleep that doesn't feel like you got really got any sleep in there. It's really, you know, unrefreshed when you wake up. Post-exertion malaise, like if you go exercise a little bit, you know, uh, you feel like garbage for more than 24 hours. And um, we also have um, uh, orthostatic intolerance, which is basically where you stand up and get dizzy pretty quickly. So those are the primary symptoms of it. Once you have those symptoms, you have them, basically you have three or four of them, and that's how they say, okay, this is chronic fatigue syndrome. What else do they do with that? What's, what other ways do they try and diagnose it? Well, a lot of it goes back to trying to understand possible other causes. So possible other causes in this case would be things like um, you know, depression, um, people have sleep apnea, um, infectious diseases like Lyme disease or, or hepatitis. Uh, you could have cases where people had um, uh, parasitic infections, uh, mononucleosis, Epstein-Barr virus, those sorts of things. They're all associated with symptoms that are similar to, to chronic fatigue syndrome. Uh, autoimmune diseases, lupus. Um, you also have myasthenia gravis, uh, MS, thyroiditis, uh, rheumatoid arthritis, all of those present that way. Uh, substance abuse. And I want to say this about substance abuse really quick. Substance abuse happens. I had a patient, and I've had her for years, her and her husband for years, and she was, um, they're in their 60s, and, uh, you know, executives, you know, they're both of them, very, very, very high-end with their work, what they do, um, white-collar kind of peeps. And uh, she started presenting, coming back to clinic. She's like, I'm depressed. I'm really depressed, Brendan. I can't get over my depression. And and I, I was trying to figure out why is she depressed? You know, trying to figure out, What's causing the depression in this case with this patient? And um, nothing figured out. And I ran labs and all her hormones were fine. Everything we do is fine. And, and it wasn't until you know, a few visits she finally admitted that she'd been doing Molly, <laughs> MDMA. And, and it's not something you would ever expected doing that kind of drug, but she was. And, you know, it sneaks in, okay? It just does. And... And a lot of times you have patients come with chronic fatigue and they've been abusing stimulants. That happens. But we need to be aware of that. We need to treat that. Inadequate rest, you know, sleep apnea, narcolepsy, um, you know, Wegner's granulomatosis, and then you have vitamin deficiencies. And then the other one's MTHFR, 
which I'll get to a little bit more in a second. And that's a genetic disorder I'm teaching for. Those are the things we do, we consider as being differential diagnoses. Any one of those things could be causing these symptoms of chronic fatigue in your patient, you know, and we want to work them all up. Often they're not. How many of you have chronic fatigue syndrome and you got worked up like that, looking for everything possible? I know very few because I see your charts when you come in to see me. I, I pull you know, your, your records from your other care providers to see what's been done already so I don't repeat the same thing. And I realize nothing's been done. They just sat you down, asked those questions. You checked three or four of those boxes. Now your diagnosis with chronic fatigue syndrome. And what do they do? They prescribe you an antidepressant, which is not what you have. Chronic fatigue syndrome is not a serotonin pathology, at least that we know of, but that's what they give you, antidepressant. NSAIDs, another one, you know, like, like aspirin, Tylenol, Aleve, that's a positive, that's a popular one. That doesn't help it either for chronic fatigue. And then they give you, uh, uh, there's a lot of people, hold on, they don't give you, but there's a lot of people who take a lot of supplements for the chronic fatigue syndrome and they don't really work very well. I'm gonna say that with caveat, they don't work very well. Okay, there's a reason why. I'm not knocking vitamins. So you go to your doctor with chronic fatigue syndrome. Let me recap a little bit so we get to where we are together right now. You go to your doctor. You have symptoms of chronic fatigue syndrome. You hit at least three or four of those ones. They say, all right, this is what you got. They may or may not run labs on some of those differential diagnoses I mentioned. Okay? And then, and then you know, they, they prescribe you an antidepressant. They park you on it, and they call it a day. How many of you out there this has happened to? How many? And I would say most of you, if not all. It's true. So what's a better approach? What's an approach that I could tell you is a better approach? What should you request? What should you demand? What do you deserve? That's the key to this. What do you deserve? When we have a patient presenting a clinic with symptoms of chronic fatigue syndrome, I'm going to get the best history I possibly can. I want to understand everything about the person, even things that don't seem like they're related I need to know as much as humanly possible about this person's health. So, so a deep, deep uh, uh, history is important. And then based upon that history, doing a full workup, the basics you want with these patients, you want to run labs with, is you want to run an infectious uh, a lab to look for infection. You want to look at their white blood cells. You want to look at possibility of chronic viral infections. You want to run a, a good panel based upon that. You also want to look at the endocrine system heavily specifically, especially the adrenals. That's very important. Um, you want to look at nutrition with these patients. You look at micronutrition. Hormone labs going down that road as well. The key about the history at the onset is this. Patients often can give you a good understanding of where this started. As a doctor, once you find out where it started, you look for things that could have initiated it. I'm getting ready for this, I was reading an article about a case where someone uh, started having symptoms of chronic fatigue syndrome uh, right after her marriage uh, fell apart. And they wrote her antidepressant, and that was it. And I get it. I get it. I get it on the part of the doctors. I get it. I get it. I get it. But that's, that's not it. That's not enough. And, and, and you may hear me say, well, Brendan, what else would you do? Stay tuned. <laughs> We're going to get to more. When I get that history with someone in the beginning, the most important thing I do when I'm in that room with them is build trust. I need their trust. 
How many people go to their doctors and don't tell them everything because they feel uncomfortable? How many people don't feel safe to bring up their history of trauma? Most. I need to do that. I need to create the space. It's so important. That's a big part of my job is to create a space where someone feels safe to talk to me about things that they don't talk about with anybody else. That means my, both my feet are in the room. I don't put a foot out the door. That means that 100% of this is focused on her or him in that moment. Because people can tell if you're not paying attention to them or if you're just thinking about something else while you're looking at them. People know when you're really not paying attention. Even though you think you look like you are paying attention, yeah, you know, they know. If you give them the space to share, they'll tell you. Because trauma plays a big role in chronic fatigue syndrome. And it doesn't have to be the cause of it, but that sure as heck is what's going on now. There's trauma in their lives. That kind of fatigue in their lives, their life starts falling apart. That's not a good experience for a human being. You need to be there. You need to hear them. You need to listen to them. Because that's going to be part of your treatment plan too. Only a fool of a doctor thinks it isn't. Only an idiot who doesn't deserve to be a physician, doesn't deserve to be in the room with you. Because that plays a big role. There's enough studies, but just I mean, I think about it. You have to help the whole of the person in front of you. Always. Some axioms I wrote down for this. Never take something blindly unless you're desperate, okay? So if you have chronic fatigue syndrome, don't take something blind. Meaning, don't go to the supermarket or go online and buy a, a supplement that you heard or, or remedy that you heard is going to fix your chronic fatigue syndrome. Don't do that unless you're desperate. Don't do it because you don't know if that's what your problem is. If someone presents to clinic with chronic fatigue syndrome secondary to an infection of Epstein-Barr virus, say, and they end up taking methylfolate because they're treating uh, chronic fatigue syndrome because someone told them that methylfolate fixes that, which it does in cases of MTHFR genetic you know, causes there. Yes, that will help those. That cures it in those cases. Absolutely. But, but if you're taking over here this supplement instead, or that supplement instead, it's not what's wrong with you, you're not helping yourself. You're just confusing the situation. Again, some of you are desperate. You got nowhere else to go. You got nothing else you can do. So you're going to start doing trial and error to see what will help you. In your cases, yeah, I'm there. I'm there. I am. I got you. But if you could get your doctor to sit with you like this or some as close as they can get to this to sit in a room with you and try to run the labs to understand you, it's worth it. Because then you can be more precise with this and you move along a lot faster figuring out what's wrong and how to fix it with you, okay? Never take something long-term without reassessing it. <laughs> Don't do that. You know, if you start something like, you know, I have this, it looks pretty good, I'll start taking it because the lab looks like I should take this. You start taking it, you take it for only a period of time, then retest to verify it had benefit, okay? So someone comes to clinic, like, like pick up vitamin D because that's an easy one. They come to clinic, they need vitamin D, I give them vitamin D. I don't just leave them on that vitamin D, I rerun the labs to verify the dose was right and it had the effect and it worked. That's what you do. Same thing with this, when you're treating chronic fatigue syndrome and you're gonna be treating them, say you found the pathology in the lab work, you treat them and you re-lab to verify you got traction. 
okay? You should never be on something long-term unless we know for sure it's working and you should stay on it long-term. That's the only time we do that. Never be afraid to question everything. Tear everything apart always. Do not be afraid to tear things apart. And I say this to doctors as well, especially. Our egos should not be involved in the room with you ever. I have no place in that room with an ego. There's no room in that room for that at all. There's only room enough in there for you and what you're going through. So I should set aside any of that sense of like, well, I'm smart. I should do. No, I'm not. That's not what I am in that moment. I'm there of service to you, which means I need to look at everything and question whether it's working or not working and not be afraid to tear it down and rebuild it for you. You deserve that. Never be rigid with dosing. <laughs> That's the one I've learned. Never be rigid with your dosing of a medication or a supplement with a patient ever because the person in front of you may be better off at a lower dose or a higher dose. You don't know until you're in the room with the person in front of you. Never stick to your mindset of what you think it should be or shouldn't be because it's not about what you think. It's about what's working with them. Now, there is the issue that if it goes too low of a dose, there's no therapeutic benefit. Yes, but that's your role in the relationship to show them, hey, this is too low of a dose. I know it didn't feel right higher, but hey, it's now so low, there's no benefit at all. Or, or you know, the patient is like, okay, I got you this higher dose. It seems to be working with symptoms, but it's creating downstream metabolites we don't want. So we need to figure this out. That's your job is to navigate it in that range of what's healthy for a person. But again, what's inside of there is her or him, and you need to understand that person in front of you. So they may be better off at the lower end or the upper end of the range, but just be aware of that. Always evaluate the safety of your protocol. Always stay on top of that. Make sure that what you're giving them is long-term is having benefit. Make sure you're aware of any downstream metabolites that can become irregular. Make sure you're not creating another problem down the road. I mean, take take a people who are you know, on... Um, I don't know what's a good one to use for this. I've been dealing with this lately with a few patients who were put on clonopin for sleep. Anytime someone puts you on a benzodiazepine for sleep, that's an addictive compound. I'll get you to sleep with it. But but what am I dealing with down the road for addiction and changes your brain chemistry? So I've got to be careful of that. I always got to be careful of that. This is very important. And never park them on a symptom suppressant without working on the cause. What that would be is the person who says you have chronic fatigue syndrome, here's your antidepressant. Bye. And you never see him again, but every year they write you a refill. And you haven't seen this guy in like five years, six years, but you're still on the damn, damn antidepressant. And, and did it even work? Or what is it even doing anymore? What is this? That's bad, bad, bad medicine. So what do I do different? How do I get in there? A little bit more about that. The labs should always guide you with your patients as I mentioned, and you should always be focusing on lab work to guide you and to treat them. Specifically in this, I want to point out how the adrenals are always involved with chronic fatigue syndrome, always. That doesn't mean it caused it, but it sure as heck is involved now. And there are enough studies I'll cite in the YouTube description under the YouTube video in there. I'll cite the studies in there talking about how, uh, and then my favorite journal of this, uh, the journal Psychoneuroendocrinology, love that journal. They publish the best stuff for me. It's my nerdy journal. I get that printed by the way. I get the print version of it. So, so back to it. The adrenals are always going to be affected and to get someone better with chronic fatigue syndrome, low dose hydrocortisone published in the journal Lancet also is very beneficial in these cases. It's again, not always the cure. 
actually I would say it's not the cure period unless you have something like Addison's disease where your adrenal gland doesn't make cortisol like it should. Okay, we got you there. But but that's not the solution. We need to figure out the solution. This is just one more benefit, something we do that's helpful with the patient. So always look at the adrenal gland with your patients, run your labs, treat that adrenal, get it within the right range. That helps a lot. Like say, for instance, someone, you're giving them low-dose cortisol, you know, as, as I mentioned, and and if they have that MTHFR deficit, we need to give them methylfolate. So MTHFR, as I mentioned in a previous episode, methyl tetrahydrofolate reductase is an enzyme that you're born with. And some of us have an irregularity with ours where when we consume folate from our diet, it doesn't get converted into the active version of folate in our body, which means we have this low-grade or high-grade folic acid deficiency in our body now all the time. And so those people... I need to give them methylfolate to fix that. So I give them methylfolate, but I'm still going to give them cortisol to fix their adrenals. I'm doing those two at the same time in tandem. Over time, I can pull the cortisol out and keep it on methylfolate and keep running my labs to make sure I'm staying ahead of it. The thing about this, I want to go back to and drill down on one more time because this is important to me, is that even if I have symptom improvement with a person, I always need to be hunting after the cause of the disorder I need to always stay curious with my patients because they deserve it. I've seen people with chronic fatigue syndrome be cured. Cured. I've also seen ones I'm still trying to figure out, but they're stable now because of what we're doing. I think about that woman in the early 1990s on that Zodiac. I think about her life, where it is now. And I think that that she deserves, just like you all do, your doctor to go and figure you out because your life is worth that effort. Always was and always will be. I hope that helps. Please like, share, and subscribe. I feel like Justin, I say these same things after everyone now, don't I? It's like a little script I got going. I have to switch it up. I have to change it to something different. I want you to please comment on Instagram or or YouTube. If you have chronic fatigue syndrome, I want you to write down what helped you, what didn't help you. I want you to read through some of the comments and I want you to see what other people have gone through. You have a population of people, you're not alone. And some of you feel very alone. So to the degree that this could be helpful for you, I would love that for you. I'm here. So that's a great place. Thank you again for tuning in, and I'll see you next time.